0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast The NFL Road Show Thank you for everyone that has tuned in 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders. In addition, I've written a book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are and you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. The paperback and ebook versions are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to fifty-two weeks of hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, Hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your every day. Without further ado, our guest this week. Do you remember growing up and love being around sports at all times? Do you remember going to a game and thinking, wow, it'd be fun to work here? Well, how many of you took the extra step and asked for a job at a young age? Our next guest did that and more, and I'm excited to have him share his stories. Our next guest is Mike Shane, Chief Business Officer with the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Mike, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Mike, thanks again. I'm excited to share your journey. And, you know, I gave a glimpse into the intro. So let's start at the beginning. You grew up just outside of Pittsburgh. And I want you to share the story you told me about the 1994 Major League Baseball All-Star Game at Three Rivers Stadium there in Pittsburgh, and ultimately asking for a job when you're a young kid. Sure.
1: So, um, 94, the All-Star Game was in Pittsburgh. Um, and it's, Obviously, a, a, an event that not very many people can attend, but everyone in the city is very interested in. Um, and so I, I went with um, with my mom at the time to uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star Fan Fest, um, which is uh, held at the convention center, uh, and it's everything baseball kind of in, in one, um, one big building there. And I remember to this day, clear as day, just falling in love, not only with the sport, um, but with the sports industry and, and I saw people walking around with headsets on and credentials. And I realized and it's the first time it ever kind of clicked to me that you can work in this industry and that this is, this is an opportunity. And um, you know, if, if you're going to have a job, why not make it something that you love? And I, I fell in love with it at that time. And uh, yeah, I did. I, I asked for a job on the spot at you know, the age of 13 uh, and obviously wasn't, wasn't ready for it then. Um, but it's, that's, that's when the, the, Fire
0: was lit for me. No, that's awesome. And, you know, listeners, we talk a lot about going above and beyond. We talk about hustle, the, the name of the podcast. And I think that's Exhibit A, you know, what Mike did of going the extra mile. And fast forward a couple years later, in 1997, the MLB All Star Games now in Cleveland. You end up going to that fan fest, finding the same person, asking for a job again. And, you know, you, you finally turn 18 and, and you land a job with them, right?
1: yeah so um, when I when I was 18 I ended up getting a, a summer internship um, it was in uh, Seattle um, at the time which was a really cool all-star game that was Ichiro's first year uh, and that was the year that they were um, on pace to have the best record ever so Seattle was baseball crazy um, and it was a, an unbelievable experience to to be working and, and I was an intern um, really my, my first first job of, of, of any real kind in, in the industry and um, if I had any doubts, which I didn't, they would have all been put to the bed there. And so I ended up um, interning that summer. And then um, every summer that I was in college, I would go and, uh, and intern at the, um, the FanFest.
0: That That's awesome. You know, a lot of us and certainly myself, you know, growing up, I always thought I wanted to work in sports, but I had no idea what it was. And at a young age, you kind of understood the business and got into it. And so as you start to get a feel for the sports business, you, you ultimately end up at Mary Washington College and receive a degree in business administration management. How did you ultimately end up there? And, and what pushed you to, to
1: earn those degrees? So I mean, interestingly enough, I and I'm not ashamed to admit it, I went there to play baseball, um, and um, I thought it was a, an opportunity for me to play. I, I really liked the school. Um, geographically, it made sense for me, um, but it was a great baseball program. Um, the coach there uh, is, a, is a mentor of mine and, and has been throughout my career. Um, and, you know, it was, it was pretty apparent to me quickly that I was not going to continue my career on the field um and so you know having the the business degree really just opened the door for you know, a lot of things that i could do moving forward from there
0: no that's awesome and so do you still play at all are you in some softball leagues or adult baseball leagues
1: i did until a few years ago um kids kind of put a damper on that <laughs> Finding did three hours to go play a baseball game on the weekend when you got three kids at home is tough but it's it's a trade-off I would make uh, every day of the week. So I'm very happy where I am. Um, there's, there's an annual alumni game that we go down and play um, at, at Mary Washington, and that's that's the one time of the year where I'm content to go and hurt myself. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And so you, as you're at Mary Washington, like, were there any internships or jobs that you had while you were there that solidified like, all right, sports career, this is the path I need to take?
1: Uh, no, and, and I, I, I continued to seek them out. Um, you know, it was my situation was that such that I needed to work through college um, and I needed to find a job. So um, I ended up uh, getting, for all four years that I was there, I worked for the sports information director um, at the college. I um, have a name of Clint Often, who's fantastic, a, another big influence on my life. Um, and he, he taught me a lot about the um, – the day-in, day-out rigor, particularly around um, collegiate athletics, um, everything from writing press releases to running games to running, manning the clock on a day, um, you name it, we we did it together. And it was it was a small team, um, so I got to see and do a lot. No, that's awesome. And so.
0: You as you graduate college, and and you certainly probably more than most people have a a good idea what you want to get into. And you begin your career with Major League Baseball in their special events department. And you know, you mentioned to me while during that someone told you you should start in ticketing. So you end up at the NBA job fair. And so, how was that experience for you? And how did that come about?
1: Well, it's it's actually probably the most important conversation that I've really ever had in my professional life. Um, I I was. I landed my dream job with major league baseball and, and, turned that into a full-time position from the internships. Um, and I was doing a, a freelance job, uh, with the NBA, um, and their version of, uh, FanFest, which was jam session at the time. Um, and I met, um, Chris Granger, uh, who at the time was with team Bo, and he was, he was involved with that event. And, um, took the opportunity to, to pick his ear a little bit. And and he was very clear. He said that regardless of, of what you want to do in this industry, um, you have to understand two things. You have to understand the team side um, and what what makes the teams tick. But you have to understand ticket sales because ticket sales are the lifeblood of the industry. You have to understand the fans' mindset and decision-making process um, because regardless of what you want to do whether you want to go back to the league whether you want to stay in sales whether you want to move to operations understanding why the fan makes the decision to spend their disposable income with you will make you better at your job and so you know it, it was it was a little bit scary I mean, I had just gotten this job and and effectively um, he um, told me Go do something different. So he, he got me set up at the NBA job fair, um, talked with a number of teams there, um, ended up meeting um, a guy who I would work for for a long time um, and, and was very influential on in my career. Chris Gargani, uh, who was the director of sales and service with the Bobcats at the time and um, offered me a job and picked up and moved to Charlotte.
0: So, you know, Mike, you, you started this podcast early on of, you know, when you're 13 years old, you're asking for a job. So I assume during that career fair, you were asking everybody that you talked to about a job. You know, so you mentioned you end up in Charlotte and, and obviously Chris was a big influence in your life, but you know, as you're going through that job fair and understanding ticketing was the right way and, you know, the right thing to do for you and your career, like how did you ultimately decide on Charlotte as opposed to some of the other, you know, every NBA team was there at the fair?
1: Um, you know, Charlotte presented a unique opportunity because at the time they were um, a year away from moving into their new arena, um, and really in the process of rebuilding their fan base after the the Hornets had left and had a you know a couple years without basketball there. And I, I really I I bought into the vision of you know what what that market can be and that it is such a great basketball market, um, and that you know if I'm if I'm going to take this step and, you know, I want to jump in with both feet and go to a place where there's a lot of upside. So not only was there a lot of upside in the market, but I could tell there was a lot of upside in the new arena. Um, I I really, really respected Chris right off the bat. Um, really, uh, the other people that I met in the organization, it was, it was a no brainer. Um, plus Charlotte was a a really enticing location. I mean, honestly at at 25 years old, it's a cool place to live and it was a lot of, I was there.
0: (laughs) No, that's awesome. And so uh, you, you end up spending two years selling there and selling at a high level. What were some key learnings early on in your career, you know, kind of in the ticketing world?
1: Um, you know, I think it's, it's that there no, no two sales are the same and that, that no two prospects are the same. People aren't buying for the same reasons. And, you know, I think that there was, it's, if you've been in the industry, you understand this, but when you're new, How much listening has to happen before you talk about anything that you'd want to sell? And you really have to understand, um, you know, who, who this person is and what they're trying to get out of this, because for most people, it's a it's a not insignificant investment. Um, not only monetarily, but of their time. Um, and in, in a lot of ways, their identity. If you're going to be a season ticket holder, um, you know, you, you are committing yourself to a lot of nights with the team. And so, you know, I think that, um, early on, I was probably a, a little bit quick to the pitch, uh, and something that I had to, to learn from. But the more time that you spend listening and the more time that you get to know your, your prospects, it, it becomes obvious what the right, um, approach is.
0: Yeah, yeah. you truly become a consultant, not just a salesperson, and, and really providing that value proposition. And so after spending a couple years selling at a high level, Mike, you decided to get into leadership and transition to the Washington Nationals, where I'm sure at the time you had no idea you'd spend the next 12-plus years. Why was leadership right for you at that point?
1: Um, you know, for for me, I, I'm i naturally curious, and um, I'm naturally competitive, and I I want to do what's next? And I want to, um, you know, take on more and, um, you know, have a, have a greater sphere of influence within the organization. Um, because I, I, I truly do believe that every single person in the organization helps the the ultimate goal of winning a championship, providing the best fan experience that you can and being a good community citizen, right? Like those are the three pillars that most organizations yep. will, you know, will rely on. And um, it takes every person, and, and I think that the more that, you know, you can contribute to that, the the more internal satisfaction at least I get.
0: How did you decide – you know, I've talked to a lot of people, as I'm sure you have, where they get to selling at a high level. Maybe it's two, three years in. Maybe it's five, six, eight years in and saying, okay, do I keep going the sales route and, you know, full transparency, right, make a ton of money and worry only about myself? Do I get into leadership like – what was that deciding factor for you or like what advice would you have for the listeners of like doing what they're passionate about?
1: It's, um, it's a difficult decision for people to make because to your point, when, when you are a top end salesperson, you're making a lot and and to to take that first role in, in management, you're going to take a step back financially. Um, And I think that it's, it's a matter of just having your eye on the the big picture and where do you want to go? Um, and that, you know, there's, there's no time like the present to bite the bullet, um, just kind of start from scratch a little bit, and then start to work your way up again. Yep.
0: No, it makes sense. So in this business, you know, Mike, we talk a lot about dominating your day and, and certainly job at hand and things will happen. And so throughout your time at the Nationals, you end up holding seven different roles. So what were you doing on a consistent basis to continue to get promoted so many times in a short amount of time?
1: one of the things that I that I consistently did and, and, and still try to do is um, focus on my job first and foremost but then look around for other opportunities other areas of the business where you know we could be a little bit better and effectively volunteer and say hey I can take that on I'm glad to, to learn that part of it um, at the nationals it, it it started a lot with our reporting and um, you know we didn't have a great mechanism and process for that and so i took that on 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 nights and weekends and you know got that to a really good place and then i from there moved on to forecasting and took it to the next step and um, really kind of learning as i as i went along um, but then as you start to build out these capabilities and these resources for the company they become something that the company relies on and they can't do without them and so then it's okay well you're doing more than the role that you're in right so there's a natural promotion to happen and we'll move you into that. And so then it's just finding what is the, the next piece. And, you know, for, for me, the, the big step forward came when, um, when Valerie Camillo joined the, the Nationals. And um, she gave me the opportunity to build out a business strategy and analytics department, which we had never had there before. And um, it, as far as the, the, the hockey stick on my um, learning curve, happened right then because in the business strategy analytics department, the way that we built it, we were a hub for every area of the business. So in a three month span, I had to become an expert on not just ticket sales, which I knew pretty well, concessions and and corporate partnerships and non game day events. Um, And, and, you know, I was drinking from a fire hose for a while, but it was an unbelievable and, and really fun time for me.
0: Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Mike Shane, Chief Business Officer with the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. And and Mike, certain certainly great great advice, and to your point, dominate your day, and then things will happen when you put yourself in a good position. And so what advice w- would you give to those that are top-selling producers right now that know they have an interest in leadership? You
1: um, know, I think, like I said, bite the bullet. And- do it. Um, it's it's a it's a decision that you have to make and you have to commit yourself to. And in the long run, it, it, you'll you'll benefit from it. You know, it's it's similar to um, making the decision to to go back to school in a lot of ways. Um, that's another one that I I put off for a while. Um, and and ultimately, and I mentioned Valerie a minute ago. She was extremely instrumental in giving me the nudge to say you need to go do this and. Um, this this will make you better long term in your career, and it's always easy to put it off for one more cycle. Um, you know, in the sales side, one more sales cycle. I've got a great pipeline. I'm just going to kill this one, then I'll do it. Um, on the you know, going back to school, one more. We'll, I'll do in the fall semester. I'll do it in the spring semester. Um, I got some I got some really good advice um, from my stepdad at the t- uh, at that time, and I was weighing like this is gonna be a lot of work you know i'm working a full-time job i just got promoted and um, i've got twins who were just born and i'm gonna take on a, a part-time mba um, right and his advice to me was if so it was a 21 month program his advice to me was 21 months from now is going to come one way or another and at the end of that 21 months you could either have your mba or not and the decision you make today will determine what what 21 month Mike looks like. And um, that to me just really resonated. I said, yeah, that's exactly it. That's all I need to know. Um, And so same thing. You know, when when I had the opportunity to start off as an inside sales manager, I said, you know, let's not put it off. Let's just do it. Um, With regard to the MBA, same thing. 21 months is going to come from now. Might as well have the degree at the end of it.
0: No, absolutely. You know, to that point, I've certainly been asked, I'm sure you have, should I go back and get my master's or my MBA? And you you end up going back, received your MBA from Georgetown University. How was that overall experience for you?
1: It was uh, it was a lot of work. Uh, but, but what I'll say is, in a lot of ways, I'm really glad that I waited a little bit longer in my career to go back and get it. Um, and, and also that I did it as a part-time as opposed to taking a break, going getting a full-time and then coming back into the industry because what I was learning um, on the nights and weekends, I was immediately applying the next day and it was making me better at my job the next day. Um, and then when I was in the classroom learning, what I was learning was real and it wasn't hypothetical um, stuff on a, on a blackboard. It was, I, I know what this person's talking about because I, I've been thinking about this for the last three months. Yes, this is how... I need to be approaching this. This is the skill that I needed to be able to do that analysis or I need to do it right now. So I, I, it happened in a lot by, by fortunate circumstance, but I wouldn't have done it any other way.
0: So again, you know, a lot of this is on personal decisions, right. And personal preferences, but you know, if, if you were given advice, would you recommend going right after undergrad or grad and, and doing it right then? Or would you recommend what you did getting in the business so you can start applying it to your day to day?
1: I mean, everyone's situation is different, but I think there's a lot of value in in waiting, getting getting a few years or even more under your belt, you know, in a professional setting before you go back. Um, There's a lot of learning that has to happen. Um, There's a lot of on the ground learning that has to happen. There's a lot of uh, classroom learning that has to happen. And I think that doing them in that order ends up making you better in the long run.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that shows the hustle and the effort you put into it. You know, certainly in the, in the past working in baseball, 81 games, a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, 10 game homestand, you have a family to then go a 21 month cycle of NBA. Of so that's certainly putting the effort and the time and energy into it. So again, kudos to you and all your successes. And you know, Mike, your final role at the Nationals was the senior vice president of consumer revenue as you were overseeing all revenue and marketing functions. You mentioned earlier, like when you started overseeing analytics as well, you had to become an expert of all these different areas and verticals. So what were you constantly doing to continue to evolve as a leader to not only oversee multiple different verticals, but within those verticals there's a lot of different personalities of individual team members as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the the first part with regard to The job knowledge, again, I think that a lot of that comes when you're in a central, when you can find yourself in a centralized position, like a business strategy and analytics department, marketing departments in a lot of ways present the same opportunities, um, that marketing touches all areas of the business. Uh, and so I think that, you know, that, that part of it just kind of naturally happened by trying to be good at my job at the time. Um, but the people part, you know, I was, I was in a position where, again, I had been there for a long time and, um, pretty much every year I became closer and closer to the longest tenured employee there. I think when I left, I was in the top five as far as longest Mm -hmm. tenured employee, almost from the time that the team Mm -hmm. got to Washington. And so over that time, you know, there's, there's nothing that you can do in a short period of time to sell yourself on, you know, your colleagues. Why, why should your colleagues now be working underneath you? It happens in, in the day to day. And, you know, people talk about, the best interview that you can have is is someone working for you and seeing them day in and day out. And you know, I think that's, that's where it's important. You know, you talk about dominating your day, but, but being a good teammate, being um, collaborative, being willing to work with and help other people outside of your you know, d- direct line is important because I think that, you know, I, I had those relationships and I had established that trust and, and respect with my colleagues um, and they, they saw that, you know, I, I was in there early. I was not afraid to stay late. I was not afraid to roll up my sleeves and carry boxes, and it didn't matter. Um, and, you know, that's, that's something that I've always prided myself on is, you know, leading by example that um, the mentor of mine had a, had a saying that, you know, you can stop carrying boxes when I stop carrying boxes, and that's something that I carried with me. And, um, you know, no, no job is too small, and, you know, that's, I think mean, you earn a lot of respect that way.
0: Absolutely. You know, and you always talk about with the leader lead by example, but it's leading by example in every different way from when you're in the office, your passion, but you're carrying the boxes, the tagging seats, like no job is, is underneath you. So huge kudos to that. And, you know, Mike, a few years ago, you receive a call from someone, you know, you've already mentioned and you, know, you trusted work with previously in Valerie Camillo, who is now in Philadelphia with the Flyers and Wells Fargo Center you know, about this chief business officer role, which you ultimately ended up taking, why was it the right time to take on the next step in your career?
1: It was, it was really interesting. It it was another situation where, you know, in, in Washington, I had just gotten my dream job, the job that I had been working really, really hard for. Um, I I have such tremendous respect for the Lerner family um, and and everyone that I worked with at the Nationals. it was a fantastic place, and, and I had been there for 12 years. Um, you know, for me, it really came down to a few key variables. One, um, I, I had, I had um, three kids, uh, and, you know, the, the work-life balance is a little bit different here from a timing perspective. It's still intense. There's, we do 200 a year, but the fact that summers are off in, in this building is, is, is not our on-season um and that would align to my kids' school yep. really important to me. And you know, you, you have to work life balance is something that comes up, you know, in, in every um, symposium, every round table. And there isn't a magic bullet. So you have to find those little those little things that you can do to align yourself and give yourself the best chance. And so, you know, the a baseball season, while base, baseball was my passion for you know the first 30-plus years of my life, playing 81 home games over the course of a summer when the kids were going to be off was tough. And so here, don't get me wrong, we are busy in the summer, but it's, it's not the same. So that was, that was a big piece of it. Another you know, piece was that I had been at the Nationals for 12 years and uh, 13 years at the time, and um, you know, I wanted to, to commit to a place where I could be for the next 15, where my kids would you know, not have to move from school. And, you know, to, to not move at that time because we were just starting kindergarten to not move at that time was effectively committing to staying in D.C. for another 15 years. And while it's something that I would have loved to have done um, because of the respect that I have for that organization, you know, the idea of doing something different was uh, appealing. And then then the third element of it, and this is going to sound a little sycophantic. I don't care. Um, there's only one person in the world that I would have left for. And it was Valerie. And yep. um, I, I just I have such high respect for her and. Um, she, she and I, we speak the same language at the same speed. Um, she constantly pushes me and everyone around her to be better, um, including herself. Um, and so it, when you line up all three of those, it, it ended up being the easiest, most difficult decision of my life.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've always talked about that, right? Is, is you, you want to be around the right people around good quality people that care about you, both your personal and professional interests and your know, money, title, responsibility, all those will follow as long as you're around good leaders. And now you've been in Philadelphia a couple of years. You oversee all of ticketing, sales, marketing, business strategy, and analytics for both the arena and Comcast spectators, uh, professional sports entities. So what is your, you know, it sounds like a ton in general. What's your day-to-day look like?
1: Um, well, the, the day-to-day, the, no two days are the same, um, and particularly over the last nine months, no two days are the same. <laughs> you know, I, I, I joined the organization last April, um, and so, you know, my, my first um, 10 months here were really getting my arms around the business. And I can't tell you how many people I had conversations with where I ended with, I'm really looking forward to this off season. Have a nice normal off season where we're gonna get so much done. Last year was there was a lot of housekeeping stuff, there was a lot of, you know, immediate tweaks and changes that we had to make. And now, you know, we've we've got a good plan in place and the train is on the tracks going in the right direction and all we're gonna do is just put it into hyperdrive. And of course, um I I jinxed all of it and this off season has been Um, like that, and, and any real opportunity to, to move the ball forward has really been survive and advance each day mode.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, while in Philadelphia, you've built out a pretty good staff, have hired quite a few people. Mm-hmm. So, what are those? What are some of those characteristics you're always looking for, no matter what position or role it is?
1: Um, I think for, first and foremost, I I want good people on the team. Um, generally, just just good people who are. Um, Want to work hard, willing to work hard, um, willing to be a good collaborative teammate. Um, all of that is first and foremost. Uh, and then um, you can't teach smart. So you know, p- people who are who are naturally curious um, and you know different thought processes, um, you know, complement a team. So I think it's it's not necessarily. I don't look at resumes and past performance as much as I look at the makeup of the individual.
0: Yep. No, absolutely. And, and given the multiple franchises and departments you oversee, you know, efficiency has, has got to be a big part of your day. So in addition, you, you know, to your point, you have a, a wife, three young boys. How are you structuring your day and prioritizing both personally and professionally?
1: I think One of the outputs of the pandemic and, and working from home is that's had to be more top of mind for a lot of people. And, um, you know, the, the casual pass-bys in the office that you get where you get more done than you realize until you don't have it, um, you know, comes to bear. And you have to be very structured in your meetings. And when you have a, a 30-minute Microsoft Teams call or Zoom call, you have to make the most of it. And you really have to cover everything that you want to cover for that day because you're not just going to bump into this person. You can't just pop down the hall and see them. So, you know, I think being very mindful about that piece of it is important. Uh, and and it's something that we've all had to get better in, you know, recently. With regard to the family part, you know, I think it's it's kind of like thinking about it when I talked about the the season timeline. You have to think about the day timeline and when are when are the kids around? Um, early in the morning before school, a time in the evening after school, and you have to set you have to set those those times aside, you know, when yeah. feasible, and you have to say. I'm not going to work at this time. I will work until then, and when they go to bed and the house is quiet, I can go back to work um, if I need to, which is most nights. And but you you make it a conscious effort to not to spend the time, but to allocate the time so that you know you're there and available you get to see them and they get to see you. I think that's an important part of it.
0: No, absolutely. And holding yourself accountable. And, you know, Mike, you, we've talked a lot about, and you know, I know a lot of your team members that have worked for you over the years have always said, you know, you're always willing to not only lead by example, but to spend time with them. So what advice would you give to the leaders listening on the importance of spending individual time with every team member?
1: It's, it's absolutely critical. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's not just the time that you're talking about their area of the business and what they're doing today and tomorrow and the next day. It's it's also just time connecting with them. And, um, you know, pe- people want to feel appreciated. People want to feel heard. And, and you want to have that connection with the people that, that you work with and, and work for. And so, um, you know, I, I, have, I have dedicated time every week with every one of my directs and it's far more than we would need to cover just the work stuff so that, um, you know, there's naturally time. You don't feel rushed. Hey, we got to hurry up and talk about this, this and this it's, you can come in and you can ask how the weekend was. And um, you know, I think that that's, that's an important part of leadership is being authentic. Um, you know, I've got, I've got as many, if not more quirks than the next guy, and I'm not afraid to show them. And um, you know, I think that that, that brings, true with a lot of people.
0: Mike, you've had a a tremendous career and a fun journey, you know, starting back when you're age of 13, knowing that you want to get in this business. So now after, after looking through that and spending time, not only with, with major league baseball an NBA team, a major league baseball team, and now an arena and a hockey team, what is one or two of your best memories, you know, that, that you've had in your career thus far?
1: When I, when I started here, this, this past September, not this past, a year ago September, uh, it was our first opening night and um, that, that, since I had been here, Flyers opening night, and I remember addressing the team, and I, I told them a story that is very, very true. I can sleep through anything, um, sirens, hurricanes, trains, planes, it doesn't matter. The night before opening night, every year in my career, I don't sleep. I am so excited for it to come. Um, all of the work that you've put in during the off-season, one of the jokes in sports is people outside the industry ask you, so what do you do all off-season? you just hang out? Like, No, like that's when we actually work really hard to build right. and for the season. And to know that all of that hard work is going to be on display the next day and the fans are going to be in there and you're going to see them just overcome with excitement to be at this event is really special. So I think that every opening day yeah. of my career – is a tie.
0: Yeah, that it is, it is absolutely one of the best things in the world. It's, you know, this is why we work in sports. Uh, it's, it's a really cool experience. Well, this has been great. You've had, as I mentioned, such a great journey. And I know a big mentor to many. So to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? Let's do it. All right. So if you have to sing karaoke, maybe right after your, your home opener, your opening night, what song are you choosing? <sighs>
1: So my go-to – I love karaoke way. My go-to was always um, Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up by Garth Brooks. By Garth, yeah. Really fast. and You don't have to be a good singer. If you just can get all the words, it's pretty impressive. Uh, and it, it plays well with the country audience. Which I don't know that this is much of in Philly, so I may have to rethink that.
0: Well, given the timing, I won't have you sing it, but uh, I, I certainly know what you're I appreciate saying. That. Well, if you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be?
1: You're asking the wrong guy on that. I just <laughs> I'm not to dive into fashion trends because I know I'm never going to pull them off, and I'll probably be late to the game on them. Um, I'm 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 going to take the I'm going to completely punt on this and say none. Give me classic, steady, um, tried and true.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a it's a good way to punt out of it. Uh, you have your own late night talk show. Who are you inviting as your first guest?
1: Um, Mark Cuban. Any reason why? He comes across as very authentic, and I feel like whatever I wanted to ask him, I would get a real answer. And in, in that industry, I feel like that's what you're looking for, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, he's very transparent, no sugarcoating. Mm-hmm. That would be a great guess. And so to close it out, Mike, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
1: take the advice that I did. If you have the opportunity to start your career in sales, you won't regret it, um, particularly inside sales. It's the most difficult job in sports, but it's the proving ground. Yep. Um, and it's that for a reason. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, don't let a day go by where you'll look back and regret the effort that you put forth. You don't get those days back. People who are in sales know what I'm talking about. Um, but it it applies to whatever job you're in. Give your best every single day and, and you will feel good about where you are. Um, and third, you got to do something that is fun and you have to enjoy your job. Um, and if you don't, you have to make the tough decision to try something else.
0: No, absolutely. And Mike, that's what you, you've had a great career. You started inside sales and worked your way up. And you know, I think you know, hustle has, has been a, a you know, part of your life, your entire life, you know, from asking for a sale at 13 years old and couldn't agree more with your three advice. You know, starting in sales, you know, don't regret any day. You know, give it your all every single day and enjoy it and have fun. You're going to be more successful. So, Mike, thank you so much. You've had a great career. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I certainly appreciate your time and expertise.
1: Charles, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun.
0: Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you can.